Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. Tracy, we talked about Amboise Paré this week. We sure did. <laughs> uh, I love a little French history always, but I also am, have gotten just so fascinated by medical history. So he was a fun one to cover. We didn't get too deep into any of gross specifics regarding surgery, I mm-hmm. think. I did send you a very silly ping last night where I had found a translation of one of his works that um, <laughs> mentioned a title to a chapter that I won't say in its um, its actual translation as I found it because it is a little um, blue. But basically it was a, a general treatment of hot, we'll say pee, <laughs> Yeah. There's there's is the more crude version of it. But what was funny, I was trying to explain this to my husband and he was like, "Why why would anybody worry about that?" And I was like, "Because that's the translation that is about urinary tract infections. Like yeah. it's it's addressing the burning sensation that happens if you have a UTI." And he was like, "Oh." <laughs> uh, which just sent us down a road of giggling like children because we are. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, like you, I found myself marveling at the time period in which he was working. Yeah. I don't think of, like, all of the religious wars and the stuff with the Medicis and the Huguenot uh, conflicts all being a time when there was a lot of, like, surgical invention going on. Yeah. But that is exactly when he was working. I really did just, like, go, whoa, when I uh, briefly Googled. Because, I mean, we've talked about some way longer ago than that medical and also surgical figures like like Sashruta from way before but still when when I uh when I googled and saw the word surgeon I expected the year to start with more like an 18 right <laughs> yeah yeah um so uh we've mentioned that we have tried to like get our social media going a little bit more at least, at least feature our new episodes when they come out, um, which, which has uh, meant finding artwork. And I was like, oh, no, this is from so long ago. Are, is there going to be artwork uh, that that we can find and use? And man, there are so many depictions of him, like so many engravings that are probably from editions of his books and then uh, works of art and statues. And I was like, this is so much for somebody that I really don't think I had heard of until I asked who you were working on for this week and you told me. Yeah, I mean, I, his complete works, we mentioned that it, it was um, republished in multiple editions. I think it got to something like 13 editions mm-hmm. uh, before it became considered like outdated enough that they weren't necessarily <laughs> reproducing right. it uh, for medical texts. Which is astounding. I also had that moment of, like, really? They were using a 1,300-year-old text by Galen as most medical medical colleges? And that, to me, is very sobering. I mean, we, in the modern era, you know, medical knowledge shifts so quickly. Because, you know, nothing is ever absolute. There can always be a new discovery that sheds light on anything. So the idea that something hundreds of years old, I mean, if we... If you went to a, a a doctor, particularly a surgeon, who was being trained in things that were from 200 years ago, you would be like, 
I gotta go. But <laughs> yeah, well, and like literally just in this same recording session that we recorded this episode, we also recorded the one about the Nelson pill hearings that I felt like I had to caveat because the thing I was referencing may be in a totally different state in two entire weeks when the episode comes out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, which is is in some ways really, really cool. I love that we do live in an age where scientific knowledge is forever surprising us. Um, but it it's also, as that kind of situation points out, it's tricky because we will often do something and then publish it and it's outdated almost instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just the trick of our lives, I think. Yeah. Yeah. His, history is alive and it's happening every day. <laughs> I do like that the final book of Amboise Paré's career was this snarky exchange, right? Yeah, like it, it yeah. ended in a it ended in a um a reality show of of French medicine at the time. <laughs> it seems so weird to me that someone's ego would be so great that they would go after a man who is so obviously beloved. Right by the military, by the public, by his fellow barber surgeons before he became a master surgeon, by the medical community because they recognized his contributions and this guy would go, you know what? I'm going to make a name for myself by picking a fight with you in public. (laughs) What were you thinking, dude? The humiliation that he got, I don't know, just from the brief synopsis of of that whole exchange, I'm like, hey. Seems like you got what was coming to you. Right. In that. Right. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm, hmm. humans. Humans. Everybody's got their weird thing. Um, <laughs> but I am forever grateful by the about this idea of, you know, hey, let's remember that our patients are human, that they are kind, uh, and that we should treat them with kindness, and that we should treat everyone, whether they are a wealthy person or a king or, you know, the lowest ranking person in a battle, like they should all get the same level of care and treatment because all of them are worth saving. That to me is such a a unique perspective at this time when everything was about hierarchy. I mean, Mm -hmm. we talked about even in the medical community from barber surgeon to surgeon to physician, how all of those petty arguments were going on. And it's like this one dude who's like, no, everybody be cool. Let's take care. The The goal should be taking care of everybody, not our egos. Hey. Right. What? I love you. I'm sure he had his faults. They just aren't recorded for history. <laughs> we talked about gardening this week, Tracy. We did. <laughs> I alluded to my problem as a gardener. This happens to me over and over. I'm sure this is a soil problem. I have never gotten it to work out right, which is that I will, because I am a fall-loving person and I love pumpkin everything, I try to grow pumpkins all the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I grow beautiful pumpkins. But every time I crack them open, not every time, but a lot of times when I crack them open, I discover that they've had blossom rot. So they look gorgeous on the outside, but on the inside, they're just like slimy and yuckus, um, which is the heartbreak of my soul. (laughs) 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 However, I sure do make a lot of squash blossom quesadillas during the the early bloom period because they're gorgeous. And usually your your first big batches of blooms on those guys are not going to produce any kind of vegetation. Like, you're not going to get anything usable in terms of a, an actual squash. Mm-hmm. Just pull those things off and put them in a yummy quesadilla. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. The other fun thing I wanted to mention, though, 
which is truly one of these projects that just captures one's imagination and it's right up my alley, relates to our episode on Bodium Castle. Because uh, one of the volunteers at Bodium, a woman named Jan Black, has decided that she is going to try to recreate some of the original kinds of landscaping and plants that would be there using none other than the feet of gardening. Oh, nice. Which I think is just absolutely brilliant. Um, I know she was working on this several years ago, so I'm not sure where this project is at this point. Um, They had started, like, their herb garden in 2012, and then they did um, textile plants, like plants that could be used for dyeing. Oh, sure. Uh, And then they started doing um, ornamental plants, in 2014, and so they're uh, they're continuing. Uh, they have been in touch with the library at Trinity College, Cambridge, to have some access to the information in the manuscript. And there are 89 main herbs that are in that book, and so um, and another 12 plants that are mentioned. And so they are are one cataloging the plants that are still growing at Bodium because some of them are still there that are mm-hmm. mentioned uh, that have presumably been there for all this time, just self-propagating. And then there there are 45 remaining that they don't have, and they're trying to see, or they were as of of 2015, see if they could start uh, successfully propagating them. I, this is the kind of project that I love. A good checklist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And a little sort of strange and marvelous effort to recreate something. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Are you guys gardening this year? No. So, uh, so when I was a kid, from the time that, like, as long as the earliest I can remember, um, until my mom eventually went back to work full time, uh, we grew literally every vegetable that we ate. Right. And so the there was a you know, whole the whole spring, summer, and fall was like planting and tending and harvesting and canning. And a big part of why we eventually stopped doing that was that like my brother and I got to the point that we had other interests and we weren't necessarily around on the this, this summer to, to work in the garden. Uh, and then it like my, my mom wanted to, uh, to go back to work full time. And then that meant that like Mom also was not around to do all this canning and stuff. It just wasn't feasible anymore. Uh, we talked about starting a garden this year. We we do have a few potted herbs. I don't think my mint made it through the winter, which surprises me. Me too. Mint is usually... They tend like... to be almost unkillable, but um, <laughs> it, it seems to not be living anymore, which is weird. I'm just kind of leaving it there to be like, Maybe, maybe you'll come back. But uh, Patrick wanted to start a garden. We had had several friends that were gardening uh, during the pandemic, and he seemed very interested in it. And I was like, I already manage so much of our household. I cannot add managing a garden to this. (laughs) So this is your thing. Uh, And it didn't really happen. So we may still... Uh, it kind of depends. At this point, I feel like it's kind of for the best because our our backyard fence is literally about to fall down. So we need to have that uh, repaired 
and it's probably best to not have uh, people tromping all through the backyard that's maybe freshly planted with stuff. Um, But depending on how that goes, once our farmer's market opens up a little later in the spring, a lot of times they have things that have already been started in their greenhouses, and so we might still... Get some seedlings. Get some seedlings and start from there instead of trying to start things ourselves from seed. They're often way better off. I mean, I've started a lot of stuff from seed, and I always end up with kind of weird leggy situations, whereas if I um, am gifted plants like I was recently by people who, like, are seasoned, really skilled gardeners. Yeah. They're they're much more beautiful and happier than anything I would have started. So I'm happy to have it. That was a little trade of a, I'll do some sewing for you. Sure. Which I was just going to do. I wasn't expecting anything. And then she showed up with like a little palette of beautiful, beautiful plants. I do like to dig in the dirt and plant things in the dirt. But my success rate in then su- successfully seeing... Those things. I did keep all of my herbs alive through the whole spring, summer, and fall of last year. And then the mint, I really, I'm still like, how did this not survive the winter? I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, The ones that we brought indoors survived on the windowsill. The mint was outside and is seemingly no longer living. (laughs) Yeah, we now have a bunch on our front porch in containers, and we'll see how they do. My roses continue to, with no effort from me, be very happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I just clip them back and try to shape them a little. But roses are very hardy anyway in a lot of cases. And ours are, it's funny because, um, you know, we have that sort of non-ideal for most plants. There's a lot of Georgia clay yeah. Kind of in the in the base of our yard, but boy, do our roses love it. Um, so I've been making lots of rose syrup this year. Oh, nice. And rose water fresh from those. We have one um, species of rose, variety of rose, called a twilight zone rose, and it it uh, blooms a very dark purple. It looks almost black in sunlight. And um, it smells like cloves, and it makes the best rose water I've nice. ever, ever created. <laughs> Uh, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, our uh, our house came with some roses uh, that I have tried to take some care of, particularly cutting back the ones that are right next to our front stairs that become increasingly aggressive. I feel like you have a similar problem in your own yard. We do. These ones are not a climbing variety, but they do just send out these tendrils that are like, let's grow right into the stairs. Yeah. Uh, and. They uh, they have survived my uh, lack of discipline regarding the flowers pretty well. <sighs> I'm 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 in a little bit of a minor panic. I feel like I do this every year. We have two hardy hibiscus. Uh, it gets a little too cold here for hibiscus, but there are hardy hibiscus that are meant to to be able to winter, and they die back completely every year. They're supposed to, but it is terrifying because you're like that plant is dead. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and then every year I'm like, this is the year they never come back. This is the year they never, this is the year. And one of them has started to really come back very quickly, but the other is still silent and I'm oh, a no. little worried. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I really want my pink hibiscus back. So we'll see what happens. Um, that is my ridiculous flower story. <laughs> if anyone out there knows what I need to do in a container garden to make my um, squash actually be beautiful and healthy, please write me. 
<laughs> I have done various like tests of of various components of my soil, and I'm either doing it wrong or I'm too heavy handed with something. Mm-hmm. But my mint is very happy, and we're having a lot of mojitos at my house right now. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we hope that you have a marvelous weekend. If you have some time off, we hope you use it to uh, restore and regenerate. If that includes gardening, fabulous. If it doesn't, also cool. If you don't have time off and you maybe have to work, we hope that everything goes as smoothly as possible, that you stay safe, and that you have the most wonderful possible days. We will see you tomorrow with a classic and next week with fresh episodes. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.